Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Lord for Giving Podcast. I'm cracking up a little bit because I snapped and it hurt my finger. Uh, thank you for joining us. We, we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them and also why we like them. Also, don't snap your fingers when they're raw. Oh, it's uh, the middle of winter in Canada, and uh, yeah, my hands are rough. My hands are rough. Uh, for those of you out there counting, this is episode 35, which has a bit of a weird start. Um, we're coming at you on January 22nd, 2019, and um, the part of Ontario that both Stu and I are in is frozen over and covered in snow. Um, my name is Chase Stromberg, and I'm joined by someone I've already mentioned before, but Stu, why don't you do an introduction <laughs> for yourself? Uh, my name is Stu Gritter, and I don't know why you're complaining about fingers. You should try spending half of your waking hours playing guitar and climbing, and then snap your fingers as hard as you can. You do that for fun. You do that for fun. And not everybody's made the same, Stu. Some people are made with delicate baby skin. Uh, Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Um, One of the guys I climb with, his skin just kind of falls off his skeleton all the time. It's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. sounds really bad. He's super floppy. Um, well, I mean, you know, moisturizing, uh, helps, mm-hmm. it helps, <laughs> but uh, I haven't been yep. doing that. And I mean, to be real, we haven't hit, uh, the severe, like negative, no, we, uh, we've just like, we finally had a cold so day in this I've last just been fu- few days. Uh, yeah. I've just been screwing around all season, uh, not paying attention to any of this stuff when I actually have to do a little bit of skincare, yeah. uh, this time of year because, uh, moisture is not in the air anymore. It's yep. uh, it's frozen. So yeah, hey, anybody joining us for the first time, welcome to the frozen north. Um, <laughs> this is uh, just two Canadians <laughs> talking about video games and the weather. And weather. So um, yeah, for anybody who has never been here before, um, the real intent of this podcast is to just sort of jump into some of the games that Stu and I really enjoyed either growing up or even recently in our lives. And um, just sort of discuss what parts of it we really liked and what it kind of taught us. So um, today is going to be an interesting day where we're going to discuss a game that we both played and we'll get deeper into that as we get into that section. Um, But uh, some of the things that we kind of learn almost intuitively while while playing games, um, especially depending on how they're designed... Um, so cooperation, communication, um, I mean, sometimes you'll, you'll encounter stuff like in JRPGs, (laughs) reading and reading comprehension is a big deal, um, for strategy planning and, uh, goal setting can be a big deal. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really just kind of interesting to see what, what you can take out of a game and the experiences you had with it. And that's what we're trying to do here. Um, yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. If you don't, uh, tell us why. Hey, just uh, just email us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, do that if you like the show. <laughs> we like to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stu, I, I just wanted to check, even though we're on, on air. Like, d- did you get any emails this week? Um, I did not get any emails this week. Yeah, I also did not. Um, just I... checking. Also, heads up for anybody who knows the format of the show. When we get to learn from you, we'll probably have the same uh, s- same response that we had for the last few episodes, which is not a lot. Um, that said, we are learning patience from you. <laughs> hey, there you go. 
being optimistic. Stu, uh, we are about to jump into the meat of the show, but was there anything you wanted to discuss right off the top? Um, nothing jumps to mind. So no. Take that. Okay, I did. I'm taking it. Um, so, uh, right. Uh, we're just going to shift into the next part of the show, which is what we learned this month. Uh, this is the segment of the show where we discuss things we learned about gaming this month. Um, Stu, you and I love tech. We love gaming. So um, we'll, we'll just talk about basically any article on that. Sometimes we just sort of stumble across stuff that we think is interesting and we discuss it. If there's an article or any kind of news brief that you, the audience, want us to talk about, don't be afraid to share. Uh, send them into us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. So, Stu, do you have any articles this week that uh, that you want to touch base on? I think um, th- th- there were kind of a couple. Um, I, well, one is just the collection of a lot of a lot of news has been coming out <laughs> around Blizzard Activision still. And it, I don't know, it's yeah. it's interesting to see, um, especially if you've been doing a bunch of PC gaming for a long time. There are big names you're familiar with, and uh, it's just weird. Um, business I, mm, is, is funny. It, is it weird, though? Uh, like, I've, mm, uh, especially, so, um, I, I listened to a podcast uh, that's, well, I just started listening to it. It's called Split Screen. It's uh, Kotaku Split Screen. It's got Jason Schreier on it. Okay. And he was talking about his engagement with the Bungie team as they were separating from um, Blizzard Activision. Yeah. And, like, just the sheer joy of the entire experience <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. that whole team. Um, and I don't yeah. think that it should seem to be a surprise that working for a large AAA company like Act- or Blizzard Activision has been less than ideal. I mean, when you look over back at, at Blizzard specifically, um, most of the old guard from the original company are gone. Oh, long gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and anything that was holding Activision back from doing like all that sketchy, gross, um, really regular corporation style nastiness, it's probably just happening now. Like there, there's nobody there to stop it. So, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm not as surprised by some of the reports coming out, um, Although they are, some of them are kind of sensational. If if we can be honest. Oh, oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's interesting. It's interesting to watch a AAA uh, implode in the way that Activision is. Although some would argue that uh, EA uh, isn't isn't uh, getting out unscathed, and that they've had a pretty rough last year. Yeah. Um. I, I would argue that both of them have had some uh, some rough times lately, uh, just because it seems like the demographic of interest is shifting away from uh, first-person shooters into other avenues. Well, I mean, yes, it's one of those yes-ands, uh, because on the one hand, I yeah, everything you just said is spot on, um, but those companies aren't dead yet. 
No, nope, they're not. They uh, so. they uh, they can survive this, right? Oh. Like both of them can yeah, easily survive yeah. this. They just shred or they just shed some of uh, the other studios that they own, or like yeah. like burn them and make money out of the ashes, right? So yeah. Um, um, so that that's sell off IPs. That's that's all been going on. Uh, the, the the one really interesting article, and I'll make sure you get a link for that, is um, uh, it was referring to. Uh, a particular thing we talked about sesame credit on the show before oh my God. yes we did yep uh also and china and canada not doing so well not right doing now. so well right now that also true <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so i i i've so far i've only found one article uh about this so i'm not sure exactly how accurate it is but uh, to read a quick little snippet, there's an app which is called the Map of Deadbeat Debtors, which has been rolled out in northern China. Oh, this is so such that, an interesting and horrifying story. Yeah. I already know what you're talking about. So you can pull out this app and it flashes a warning to show anyone who's within 500 meters of you who is in debt. And, and that's like a super vague, like they said, the defining debt is isn't really clear um you don't really know necessarily who it is but it shows the did exact location know? so if you, you can you stand in front of people that have that 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 engaging in social contact with people that have um that have bad scores on sesame credit results can in a you. down yeah, yeah it results in a downturn of your own score yeah i didn't like that is yeah that, that was even, a huge... even if on accident like it's crazy yeah that that was part of the big the big deal to make people police each other. It's oddly well, it's fairly sinister. Um, <laughs> uh, oddly, yeah. uh, generally is going to be effective, I think. But just the fact that there now there's that kind of thing for people who are potentially in debt. Uh, but it it's like it, it's nineteen it's nineteen eighty four like scary shit. It's, like, yeah, it's funny. Like well, socially well, shaming each other. Well, the guys like, the guys is to let people to enable people to whistle blow on debtors who are actually capable of paying their debts. Oh. So it's to help people do their social duty. Yeah, I think I read a different yeah. article, but that's also that's still <laughs> it's yeah. kind of skeevy. Uh, I did, yeah, I wanted to bring it up because it relates so closely to the uh, Sesame Credit. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> That's so <laughs> creepy. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's neat. It's just, mm, mm. I was going to say, like, video games give you a negative score on Sesame Credit as well. Oh. Which, I well, don't know if you knew that. But uh, they do. If you play too yeah. much video games, uh, you your score gets reduced, that makes and they sense. track it. They can easily track it. So, um, too many liberal hmm. ideas out there. I guess. Um, right. So, did yeah. you have anything else you want to discuss? <laughs> That's it for now. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I came across a couple of articles. Uh, both of them just uh, floating around in the geek therapy community on Facebook. Yeah. So, geek therapy is uh, just a large collection of uh well i mean for lack of a, a better term sometimes it's uh therapists sometimes it's psychologists sometimes it's social workers um all of them just trying to figure out ways to engage with their patients um 
both intelligently and creatively using pop culture. Uh, and I think that the community as a whole is really, really interesting and awesome. And it, it's actually pretty diverse. Like, we're, we're talking from all different parts of the world. Um, but uh, we, I, I do, I'm lucky enough to be a part of that community. I don't think the entry level is too high, but um, you do get exposed to some pretty cool articles. So one of the articles that I, uh, that I saw that was posted, it was posted uh, to Scientific American and I'll make sure that there's a link in the notes, is a discussion on screen time for teens. Um, and this should not be a big surprise, but the the finding for the, like, the statistical findings um, when reviewing uh, how screen time actually impacts teens, um, the suggestion is maybe it doesn't. Uh, there's no evidence to suggest it has any negative impact on teens any more than... Um, say the shaming culture that exists encouraging you to put the screen down mm-hmm. um <laughs> but the uh yeah that that was an interesting article um i like that they cite where they're getting their information from because uh, uh there are contemporary news sources who sort of omit that information so it, it was nice to see that they're referencing the actual uh, the actual studies themselves um, where where they're coming from and it didn't look like any of this was funded uh, by like third party corporations so that that was nice that was interesting it was interesting and nice to see um, so another another article that I came across was um, the use of VR to assist in diagnosing mental uh, mental illness and and some conditions. Um, because yeah this is uh, this was actually pulled off of wired but it was again posted into the geek therapy community facebook um and this article is actually a little more interesting vr is better at setting up the theoretical um real life scenarios than even just a reg like most other mediums uh like immersive vr is incredibly effective in this respect and actually playing out those scenarios you can identify a little more easily i mean it, i get there are so many variables that are like quest big big question mark yeah. like is this person just playing to see what they can do um but the intent of most psychological testing is they want you to perform as honestly and like knee-jerk the reaction that you would actually take and having been part of um, part of a psychology lab that that focused on acquired brain in- injury, but also things like uh, the instance of psychopathy in in others, there are ways to actually identify that sort of thing. Um, specifically, if you introduce an individual to social scenarios where they have to say choose whose life they're going to save or how they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you give, if you give your test subject a toolbox and those are the tools that they have, if that toolbox is in VR, you like, and especially if you can record it, you have all the information you need to make that diagnosis. And it's a, a lot easier. And then if you have like hints that maybe there's something going on, you just sort of use more of those types of scenarios until you're able to isolate, okay, this person is scoring this way repeatedly. So it's safe to assume that we can start investigating a diagnosis in something like, like this. Um, 
and that uh, it's an interesting practice. I've got a mm-hmm. I've got a link for that. I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. Um, I, I don't know if I'm doing that article justice, but uh, the the future of VR to assist in diagnosing mental illness, I think, is pretty bright. And as long as people are familiar with the technology and able to use it effectively, um, like I can't think of a better tool to 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 do that because it's. I would argue it's better than putting the pen and clipboard in front of somebody and just getting them to fill out that sheet. Um, because you can, you can see in real time how they're actually reacting. Yeah. Even if it is a simulation. Um, and it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, I guess maybe you could argue that the, the pen and paper response, like scaled scoring. Mm, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's something that I've got to think a little bit more about, yeah. but uh, I, I think it's interesting. I think that it's something new. I'm really curious how uh, how it's going to be used when we're broaching actually treating people. Uh, the, the I, be- don't, mm, well, I don't know if you can use it's VR. Not, it's not necessarily for um, uh, like psychopathic things, but even stuff like the way we use the mirror trick the box and the mirror trick to get rid of like phantom limb yep like that kind of thing or or different things that maybe are treatable through full immersion you know dumping somebody into a bathtub of spiders Uh, who knows that might actually doing that in vr might be sufficient to break to break something on uh, (laughs) well yeah if if you want to put somebody with a phobia into a vat of spiders maybe um but uh just you know that kind of thing um, i yes i yeah you know. that was an extreme um but uh <laughs> or have yeah, them be a program eaten by a giant spider individual You'd be fine yeah, a program <laughs> where the individual can engage with spiders knowing that they're not real um even though uh you know what actually um fred rojas on the last gaming history x was talking to um his co-host trees and they had another co-host named chase who is not me um, on and they were they were discussing VR, um, and they were discussing like just just in layman terms how it feels to engage with that technology, mm-hmm. and when you're playing horror games, how like some people are just like okay yeah we can do it, but I think it was Fred who said um, there were certain horror games he just couldn't keep playing because even though his body knew. Like, even though he knew personally that none of it was real, mm-hmm. his little lizard brain is convinced. could not, yeah, is yeah. convinced that he's there and he needs to get out, right? Yeah. Um, well, that's, and, that's, that's why I'm, I'm wondering if there is any, like, avenue for treatment, potential for tr- using it for treatments down the line. I'm really curious to see that evolution of application come around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... You know, like, <laughs> VR has been the future of gaming for so long that uh, I think it took a really long time for anybody else to think of other ways to use it. But I'm I'm excited to see what other types of progress we, we can, like, as, as an entire world, mm-hmm. we can see come out of this technology. And, like, the, it's there, right? Like, the, the technology is there. You, we're creating realistic environments without issue. Like it's not the boxy poly- polygonal stuff that was happening back in the '90s. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's not 3D wireframes that you're. Yeah, plugged. like I, it's it'll be interesting. 
But uh, that's what I got. That's all I've got. All right. Okay. So, hey, do you want to get into the next section? I guess we should. It's, prob- hey, what it's probably what we're supposed to do. Yeah, what are you, what are you doing later? You want to talk about this game? Okay, so here we go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, now we're going to talk about what we learned from gaming. So the game we're going to talk about today, and today's a special episode. Yeah. Every fifth episode, we like to cover up. a game. Yeah, we like to cover a game that we've both played. Um, and today we, we want to talk about Left 4 Dead 1 and Left 4 Dead 2. I figured we'd roll them both together because... There was a difference of, I think, um, like an absurdly short. Uh, it's not a long time, and it's not like they're vastly different. Here, you know what? I can tell you right away. The The team that worked on one worked on the other. It's literally a year. Yeah. It was a year apart and a couple of days different. So Left 4 Dead, the original, released in November 17th, 2008, and Left 4 Dead 2 released in 2009 in November on the 19th. Um, And that little gap made Left 4 Dead 2 a bit of a hard sell initially because they sold it as a completely new game. Um, like we'll, we'll get into the specifics of the game first, but I'm just, I'm thinking of my engagement with it initially. Like we, you and I, I think both took some time to get around to actually buying Left 4 Dead 2, whereas we both bought Left 4 Dead pretty close to launch. Did Um, we? I know I did. Did I was very excited. I was very excited for these, but I did not buy Left 4 Dead 2. I didn't buy Left 4 Dead 2 for quite some time. And, uh, I think until you suggested that we play together. Um, I got, I purchased them both, uh, the same day. Nice. So I did not it? buy Left 4 Dead, uh, the original long before the for the second. Hmm. Well, then there you go. That means you never played Left 4 Dead. Nope. Hmm. Uh, I have I nine did. hours of it on Steam. <laughs> I played wow. Left 4 Dead for nine hours. No, well, once they, mm, uh, once they rolled everything that was in one into two's engine it didn't matter yeah anymore, it was a no-brainer right yeah um so sorry let's uh, let's get into the specifics so i mean left for dead both left for dead one and left for dead two were designed by mike booth um and his team and then they were published by valve valve actually uh bought the rights and helped them release it because i believe they were designed on one of the half-life engines yeah what uh probably hammer um and uh, we've just discussed the release dates, so let's uh, let's talk about what they actually are. So, in terms of genre type, uh, they're first-person co-op sort of shooters, but the tag survival horror also directly applies to to these games. Um, in terms mm-hmm. of core mechanics, they're designed for you to work together with. Well, you don't have to; you're encouraged <laughs> to. Uh, the mechanics encourage you to work together with other survivors in a team of four at the end of the world, scavenging for whatever weapons you can find to fight off the infected should they show up. So you'll use stealth when available or when able, and then force when you must. But you have to understand that the more noise and commotion that you make, the worse things are going to get as you attract more infected as they show up. You're supposed to get from a point A to a point B with in a in a series of episodes with the end of that episode being a great escape uh, to just get away from all of the horror. 
Um, the mechanics were literally designed to induce anxiety and try to separate or overwhelm the player. Um, and also, so is the music. Um, <laughs> there are lots of uh, sound cues that, uh, that that really have that impact. Yeah. And um, really, in terms of core mechanics, uh, like it, it plays like a first-person shooter. It looks like a first-person shooter, except that you feel very underpowered when facing the large, large hordes of infected zombie-like creatures that are coming after you, or the specialized... Um, very, very hard to kill tanks or like the ones that'll like grab you with their tongues or the ones that'll jump on you from the roof or say the witch who is very hard to take down and can kill you in like one hit. Um, uh, (laughs) um, uh, let's, uh, I think, yeah, you know what, let's sort of get into initial engagement and then we can work on pros, cons, and what we really feel like we took away from it. So, Stu, why don't you talk mm-hmm. to me about uh, your experience with Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2? Well, it was uh, it was not a game that I picked up to play solo at all. Uh, there were, um, you could just like hop into games and go through co-op. There was also a, a very, very popular PvP mode with which I did not engage either, um, yep. and I'm. It was a re- like it was a huge deal for a lot of people, um, but not me. So I'm not going to deal with that. We can I can okay. kind of like I, I, I can, can give some to that some one. stuff about it. Yeah, yeah. But. I can speak to it a little bit, but it was uh, it changed the game. Yeah. In that. Mm, yeah, well, yeah. We'll go, I'll, I'll go through that later. I get there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, th- this was very much a game that I picked up to play with friends and go through and shoot zombies with them um it it was uh i think it was just meant to be fairly quick paced you know a relatively high octane you know you're either shooting or moving towards the next place you're going to shoot something um a lot of chaos breeds a lot of teamwork a lot of communication and it was just a a cooperative shooter um, in a time where a lot of the games that we were playing around then and before then were competitive shooters and people didn't like playing those with me. So a co-op shooter was maybe a better idea and more fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, wow. Here, no, I'll let you keep going. You let me know when you're done. Oh, well, um, yeah. So it, it was something that we ran through kind of multiple times and got used to uh, various levels, especially once you got used to playing certain levels a certain way, you could more easily crank up the difficulty and just kind of push yourselves a little bit more and see what you could get through. Uh, Also, on higher difficulties, Friendly Fire made the game a lot more interesting, especially because (laughs) only one person has to get out of the level for the group to win. So when you're carrying around things like Molotovs and assault rifles and gosh darn it, aren't you just close enough to the safe room to get there by yourself? Uh, (laughs) It can create some um, creative situations. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) I just, I remember all the times um, we inappropriately hit each other. Oh yeah. uh, And it, yeah. Especially with certain groups of people who, um, like I, when I was playing uh, Counter-Strike and 
2142 fairly competitively the you know people understood not getting in the line of fire it's pretty straightforward um playing any fps casually that's not the case it doesn't matter where where your line of fire is someone will run in front of you yeah and get mowed down it's just great well also uh like the insanity of um an infected rush or the instance of accidentally stumbling across a witch, a witch. or getting spit on by those bloated guys. Yeah, the boomers. That, yeah. Um, like, there were just so many variables in yeah. place to have one of your team just freak and do something stupid yeah. or get pulled away at the most inopportune time. And then a couple stray bullets will hit a car, an alarm goes off, and then more zombies come. Yep. Yep. It's, just, uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh boy. Okay. <coughs> I'm like anxious just thinking about some of those, like <laughs> some of the times that things went really bad. Yeah. Um, so like, I want to, I want to talk about some of the, like, I'll, I'll talk about our engagement because like my engagement, some of the best experiences I had with this game were like playing with you and playing yeah. with some of our friends. Yeah. Um, but like some of the pros of this game and you hit, you hit on them pretty well was, uh, communication is very important. Um, this was during the rise of VoIP. headsets and things like TeamSpeak. Um, I mean, these these are technologies that had been established already, but using them for Left 4 Dead was awesome. Yeah, so helpful. And it was so so. It helpful. was one of the first games that actually included VoIP. Like the, uh, it was yes. it was early natively. Yeah, so natively, so in you the could game. jump into co-op or competitive matches and actually have voice comms with whoever you were playing with and it because yeah, it, it was pretty important but for the it game. was okay yeah. yeah it wasn't great but it was okay um whereas i found that third party like um uh, yeah we, it was always we, more reliable yeah it was always more reliable um so like the game encouraged communication cooperation sharing is actually a big mm. part of the game mm-hmm. you need to decide who's carrying like health packs or medication and stuff because you're going to get hurt in this game you knew you were going to get hurt and it was a question of who was more valuable or like if we're if you're playing the what's fair game it's like okay well you just use the last health pack so i get to use the next one this guy gets to use the next one and she gets to use the last one or you know like switch it around however you want but like you had to figure out how to share your resources um, if you knew the levels, you were able to do a sort of, <clears throat> sort of higher level of planning, but just planning in general was also helpful. Um, like getting from point A to point B, uh, the short term, midterm, long term way of thinking about things. The long term is win the entire scenario. Short term is get from, uh, from like the, the first part of a level to the second part. And like midterm would be get to the end of that level. Um, but like planning on how to do that, like um, contingencies, there there were certain things that were actually in the mechanics of this game that kept you from doing the long term planning effectively. Yeah, like because you wouldn't, you couldn't always predict exactly what was going to be where. Like there was some procedural stuff. The layouts of the maps were always the same, but where stuff would spawn was always different, um, and what type of items you would encounter always different. Um, and I actually really appreciated that about that, about the game, because it, it meant that it never really got stale. It was how we were able to play it so often, um, without getting tired of it. 
Yeah, peop, uh, if anyone's interested in artificial intelligence, this is also one of the first instances that they actually um, they actually named the artificial intelligence that the the system that they were using to do things dynamically. They did they called it a director, and that was inspired by they wanted to they wanted the gameplay to have kind of that cinematic ebb and flow and that feel of um, intense action with small breaks and you know rising falling action rising falling drama. So the the director actually um, gauges. It actually looks at the, your screen to see how many zombies there are. Um, if you're seeing people get hurt, if you're seeing specials, if you're seeing special zombies do things to your friends, and it uses all of that to gauge how how difficult the next wave needs to be and when it needs to come. Um, it, it's actually a fairly in depth system. It's it's pretty interesting if you really want to dive into it. And that director actually dictates uh, the baddies placement and also um, tweaks like uh, item placement and that kind of thing for you too. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. It, yeah. It was fascinating for that. Uh, it even actually. I'm pretty sure it also did music, dynamic music, and the chatter, the idle chatter between the characters. Uh, the director managed all of that as well. That's an, well. I mean. Okay, so whenever a horde would spawn, you would hear the cue, yeah. right? And the cue was actually a musical audio cue. And then, of course, you would hear them coming. Um, and uh, every single special had its own distinct kind voice cue as well. Yeah. And you would hear them. But if they grabbed you, so like an excellent example is if the smoker grabs you with like his long tongue, the music shifts automatically to like the most anxiety inducing like like your character starts screaming and um the the music changes into like this like horror theme bad things are happening um and you know you just like you know that something's wrong and what you need to do if you're not the person who just got yanked you need to try and figure out who's in trouble and how you can resolve it um, I guess the, the best way for like an older audience is like that sound, the, the music that would come up when you were playing the Sonic, the hedgehog game and you got in the water. Um, <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's the best metaphor I can come up with for anybody who, um, who never actually played left for dead, uh, and needs an example. Um, that type of feeling, uh, was anytime any special zombie got a hold of your friends. Um, like I'm trying to think of cons for this game, um, especially for the time, it did not have a lot of limitations. Like I, I would argue, the con of releasing number two so close to number one made it hard to decide to buy number two. Yeah. But other other than that, like number two was actually a pretty big improvement on the first game's mechanics. But it it just it was so close to the original game, yeah. it was hard to buy it. it um, I, I think well, to me, one of the biggest cons is if you're not in the mood to shoot zombies, don't play this game. Yeah, like that too. The game, if, the game yeah. loop is exactly that: shoot a zombie. Yeah, shoot a zombie or get chased <laughs> by them. Yeah, right. Um, so it and, yeah, mm. so limited. Op- I mean, you change your weapons up every now and then, but that's the gist of the game. It's very, yeah. it's very run and gun. Yeah, I, that's a very. You know what? That's actually a really good point. Uh, there, you, you can't know what an audience member's, um, you know, like ticks are. So. Say you've got some kind of trauma involving mobs. This is not a game for you. Yeah, this is not a game for you uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So that's that's a good point. Um, 
yeah, cons. This game may not be for everyone. Uh, anybody who doesn't like horror would not want to play this game. Um, it's, it's probably harder to find a pickup group right now. So, um, yeah, present day, <laughs> you might have trouble finding yeah. people to play with. Fire it up with friends. Yes, <laughs> definitely do it with friends. Uh, and actually, the the matchmaking system, and uh, because it was natively a Valve-created game, as long as your friends were on Steam, you could just pull each other yeah. into games. It was actually really nice that way. Um, there was never, like, I never had any nightmare multiplayer sessions in that respect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you... And I and our friend Dan and then um, uh, another AU gamer, Flonk, um, we we ran, I think, every single scenario you could possibly run in and that game. Left and then we started, yeah. yeah, and then started upping the difficulty as well just because uh, we played it so much. And I think we had a good time. Uh, near the end, we started getting really goofy yeah. and just doing things to each other that were not right. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that was uh, that was also like in terms of in terms of engagement and in terms of things that we were learning like it was one of the primary experiences for me of playing um playing any game and especially any uh live action game so like where it's everything's happening so any real time game yeah, um, yeah, yeah. with with uh, real time communication to each other um yeah that didn't involve a lan Right, yeah. where you weren't in the same room, and I, th- I think a big part of that was going through that game with a set group. That's not yeah. something that happens too too often, where you have, um, like, most people, and I mean ourselves included, when we start playing a game like that, a game like that or anything similar, um, a drop in, drop out is very much encouraged in most games, and you get used to that. You, you're not playing with the same static group all the time. Yeah, and, and there's and, a system for it. Yeah, right, like. And, and it, it handles it, it pretty It works well. perfectly fine. But just because we did the entire game with that specific group, yeah, that, that made that a different experience as well. Because uh, yeah. you start to get used to people's ticks in that particular game and you know their weapon preference and how likely they are to <laughs> hit you with something instead of a zombie and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um yeah, it, it it was interesting. Um, actually, you know what I would say that the, the experiences were overall very positive. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a time that I got mad. Like I, I probably swore at people for doing oh, goofy for things sure. at some point, <laughs> and I know that I did some some dumb dumb stuff. We all did. But it's um, but yeah, when I when I look back on this game, it's favorably. It's there are some really really great experiences. I can remember. Um, that one time we tried to go through the the sugarcane factory and it was just witch 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 and <laughs> it was so bad it was so bad <laughs> and things just yeah. i feel like we played that level a million times that's the one where it's like the torrential downpour yeah it's hard and to the, see the landscape yeah. completely changes oh oh yeah. my god um but yeah uh it was it, it's just interesting um the the only time I'd ever felt good with that type of gameplay was playing Battle Battlefield. Um, I forget which Battlefield it was. It may have even been the uh, the futuristic one with you when we actually had a squad that functioned properly. Okay, yeah. Um, because that happens 
I mean, it happens a lot more now, and it's a lot easier to accomplish with um, if you have a dedicated group of friends that you play with. Yeah. But if you, yeah, it it so rarely happens in just pickup games of any any type that involve uh, real time um, mechanics. But uh, yeah, uh, th- I can't think of too many other situations where I was in a group and things worked, and you could communicate and uh, coordinate. In, in that respect. Yeah. Um, other first-person shooters definitely um, established it, but this game really, really took it and ran. And, I mean, if, if you want to talk about the future of what this genre would become, uh, Stu, you have played a little bit of some of the latest iterations of this. I think you've engaged a bit with Vermintide, have you not? Oh, yeah. Did you touch Vermintide at all? Because I didn't the even first touch it. one, yeah. Um, I don't know if Vermintide 2 ended up being any better, uh, but you, you were playing uh, Deep Rock Galactic, weren't you? Yes, and I actually played that again recently. And yeah, I, I really should. Have I not done an episode on that? I should. Maybe I was waiting until no, it was released properly. Yeah, um, that might be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll hold <laughs> off. Maybe I'd, sure. I'd say wait until it's like a full game. Yeah, uh, but... See, even Vermintide was to 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 really pin down because I was gonna say that one of the biggest things about the special zombies that spawn in Left 4 Dead, like the the smoker who can nail you with his tongue and incapacitate you, or the hunter who jumps on you and incapacitates you, um, or the tank who you just have to run away from, so you're practically incapacitated, is that they require teamwork, and that teamwork necessitates communication. Um, it, it, when you get pinned down by something or a jockey jumps on you and starts pulling you or, you, you know, when one of these terrible things is happening, you need to tell your team and you need to direct them from where they are to where you are so they can help you right away. Um, and that was like one of the pinnacles. That was one of the most important parts of the game was dealing with those situations. Um, that was really the make or break for most groups. Uh, the vermin uh, from playing Vermintide, it, it wasn't the same at all. There would be special guys that spawned, but they would just be bigger, have more health, do more damage. Uh, it wasn't really, wasn't really spectacular stuff. Uh, I don't know. Um, and Vermintide suffered from serious loot issues that I don't want to go into. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. Um, for anybody out there who's not aware of where the creative minds behind this, I think it was it Turtle Rock. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm just seeing Mike, Mike Booth in, in Wikipedia. I forget what the actual, um, uh, company name was, but, uh, they went on to do a game called Evo or Evolution. Oh, this um, is Evo. Really? Which was the, uh, one against many. So you have the one, um, the one person playing the monster, and then the rest playing the, the crackshot team that's trying to take it down, um, and that sort of had mixed, uh, I would say, more negative uh, response. I, like it sounds yeah. like it would be such an interesting way to play, but I feel like it it may have been really hard to balance, and yeah. I don't know if the launch went very well. It suffered from balance issues, and I think uh, DLC pricing issues. 
Uh, yeah, that'll do it. We're both big, big <laughs> problems. Yeah, I don't even know if it's still on Steam. Is that? Uh, I don't know. Who said? That's, uh, no, I think they shut that one down. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's a game that I never got to play. I was always interested in, but I never played it. Did you see? Um, but I mean, we've we've seen this fail to hit as well in games like uh, I think the most recent Friday the Thirteenth also kind of messed this one up. Um, where one person can play Jason and everybody else is the camp counselors. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I feel like there's like there there's appeal to that, but more specifically like the the horde um attacking you style left for dead format. I still think that there's a lot of potential in that. I just don't feel like anybody has really been able to uh catch the um I guess like catch the gaming community's attention with it again. Mhm in the same way like i'm not sure if space dwarves are going to be able to pull it off if like i'm not trying to be pessimistic but i'm not sure if that's i mean fortnite took off so i could be fucking wrong <laughs> you know <laughs> maybe space dwarves is exactly what everybody wants but um no I, I i don't i don't think so um it, it is it does a really good job of letting up letting players create a team and get used to each other but there's um yeah I, I think it lacks the the like that last 10 percent of polish to really help it kick off and right. I, and it's just that the big budget difference i think um yeah and that and that's too bad the core is absolutely great i stand behind that product for sure i okay will continue to recommend people to check it out because <laughs> okay. it's great but yeah, it won't quite be for everyone. Yeah. Well, I'm. You know what? Like in in summary of my ideas, uh, for for this game as a whole, like Left 4 Dead as a whole, it it is honestly like one of my favorite co-op gaming experiences, like in in my entire life. Um, it was at a time when um, co-op play wasn't at the forefront of everybody's mind, like people were very much concerned with like the first person shooter versus format. Um, and it was just such a refreshing change. And it was also right when like, I mean, zombies have been around for, for quite some time. Right. But it was right when like, um, the walking dead comic was well into its maturity, but like the show, uh, walking dead was really starting to take off. Um, and it, it, everything just sort of fired. It was like the perfect storm, um, of events to allow culturally for everybody to enjoy this type of game. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've, I, I've always really, really, uh, enjoyed it. And like, it's just, it's crazy to think that like cutting my teeth on, um, just communication for gaming, um, like, with people who aren't here was, was this game, but it was mm -hmm. like 2000, 2008, 2009 playing this game was how I learned how to, um, how to communicate effectively with other people, multiplayer online. Intense situations. <laughs> yeah. In incredibly tense situations. Yeah. Uh, usually I was swearing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, uh, that, that's right. You're doing it right. Huh. And I think that's what I got. 
For anybody who's never played Left 4 Dead, uh, I would say watch a few videos. I bet you there's probably some really sick mods out there, like uh, yeah. upscaling mod mods or uh, upscaling uh, video mods that like make it look really, really, really good. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, and you can probably get some some very clear ideas of what the gameplay is like. Uh, yeah, and these these are like Val- old Valve games. They go on sale for like four and a half cents every now and then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, if you want, uh, I would. I yeah, I think I think you could still play through this today and have a good time. Um, yeah, if, if if you had if are... you were with a group of friends, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think I would recommend going through it alone. It was never really a fun game to play alone. No, um, I mean th- there is some fun to take from it uh, in a solo play of this s- type of game, mm. but I feel like you get the most playing uh, with others. I'm gonna look up a speed and run after this. I would say I would say there's definitely no need to um, buy the first anymore. Yeah, no. Because all of the first content is in the second game now. So unless you requ- unless there's a creepy kind of crappy requirement where you have to own the first in order for the second stuff to unlock, but I I don't think that that's the case. Oh, that would suck. Um, I would say do your homework. Just uh, just try and confirm it, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. And that's all I got. Do you want to talk anything else about Left 4 Dead or are you alright? Um I think um it, it might have also been interesting because we I mean we both played this with more people than just that group. Yeah, like um, I I played with um with Charlie a little bit, uh our friend Charlie, I played with Jamie. Like Charlie, Jamie, uh, Joel, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and you would have played with quite a few of the AU gamer guys, yeah. I expect. Um, and probably diff- it was probably, I mean, if we talked about this ten years ago, we might have been able to speak to interesting differences between playing with different people. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And yeah, <laughs> and despite there being so few, I mean, relatively few and relatively simple game mechanics. Uh, the group dynamics changing would have a big impact on gameplay. Yes, 100%. Uh, um, depending on what type of player you are, sometimes you might have to compensate for the incredibly aggressive oh, yeah. new party member or like the incredibly clueless new party member. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I, th- I think that's a really good example of kind of the game being more than the sum of its parts because I, I don't know how I don't know what that particular magic is but it yeah it kind of incorporates the people playing in the whole yeah. mechanism and for for anybody who's just listening to us trying to understand what we mean uh, there's this really great level with a cornfield in it where you you start at one end of the cornfield, the other end of the cornfield is like this farmhouse that you're gonna have like this last ditch defense. Yeah. Um, like the play experience that you will have with the team that's just like, okay, you know what, we're gonna stand close to each other, we're gonna get through this field together, no matter what comes at us, just stay back to back and do what you have to do to mm-hmm. get through it. Or like that one guy who's just like, fuck it, I'm going for the farmhouse and just runs. And takes off. And you're like. Oh, oh, okay, everybody, just follow them. We all gotta get there together, so let's do it. You know, yeah. like just uh, and like sets up sets off zombies going through that uh, that cornfield. Um, 
Like that is two distinctly different experiences. And that's just an example. There can be any number of things. You could be running through that field and there's a witch, right? Yeah. Uh, who gets up and then chases and downs one of your guys. And then that person gets spit on by a boomer and then hordes come, right? And it's up to you to decide whether you want to engage with that, like collectively or individually. Yeah. Um, uh, and actually, you know what? We didn't talk about multiplayer. We can quick if you want. Yeah, we should. But but like multiplayer is literally just a lesson in griefing. Um, <laughs> no, like honestly, playing the humans versus playing the zombies, you always wanted to be on the zombie team because you could do some of the cruelest stuff. So- <laughs> like if you got a jockey, you just jump on somebody's head and then force them into the most inopportune situation. So um, to outline the mechanics of that, um, it's important to know that in the in the co-op, strictly co-op version, there are normal zombies and then occasionally special zombies will spawn. And they're just, like, they, they have special abilities, they'll be faster and blah, blah, blah. And you work together to bring them down. In the player versus player mode, it's still four on four, but the four zombie sides spawn as a collection of those special zombies rotating specials yeah so then you're not you know then the as players you're not just killing some zombies and then oh a tank appears okay we'll kill the tank okay now we go on and we deal with the normal zombies again it's like and it's not a dumb ai tank no it's it's a human human intelligence playing with things so then all of a sudden the tank shows up and you need to deal with that. But now you also immediately know there are three other humans there. And like one's going to be a jockey, one's going to be a, a smoker, and one's going to be a charger. And they're going to try and break your group in the next two and a half seconds. Yeah, there there, there were time delays, right? There were time delays. And um, if you died, of course, there were respawn things. Yeah. But um, yeah, you if you were able to collaborate with uh, your fellow zombies to create the perfect storm of horrible situations like some of the worst um and by worst i mean the cruelest things you could do you could pull off with um with a smoker and a boomer so just have the smoker set up in such a way that he's gonna pull somebody back far for quite some time have the boomer set up that he can he can spew on the person as they're getting dragged by um, and then just disappear and maybe show up again and boom on somebody else. Um, so like the smoker and I think the jockey who, when you jump on somebody's head, you get to control where they're Have going control, limitedly. Yeah. Those were, uh, two fan favorites for really ruining, uh, the, the, the uninfected players days. Um, because with the, the, the hoodie, what are the, what were they called? Hunter. Um, hunters. The hunters. Hunter would jump on you and pin you to the ground. Yeah, you you could jump like hunters are ideal for stragglers, right? As, if a, if there's a straggler, you use a hunter, you pin him down, and then if the rest of the crew wants to come and save them, whatever. Same thing with the um, the chargers. Like uh, a charger is ideal for for a straggler or like really displacing somebody who's ahead of the pack. Um, Whereas the tank is just a, a solve all. I don't think you could play the witch. I don't think you had the option of no. being the witch. I think the witch was still just AI controlled. Random spawn, yeah. Because a human intelligence behind a witch would have been Protest. horrifying. Yeah. Um, just because of the the raw damage that 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 creature puts out. But um, 
Yeah, yeah it was uh it was <laughs> it was something else that didn't feel fair. Yeah. Um it was not balanced in any way that I I could see. So I I uh, at some point I actually listened to some people playing that and it, it was just you had to know the maps a little bit differently. Um things like the charger you would know what like lines were the longest so the charger had a big long charge once you started charging he would go until he hit a wall so if you did it in a small area it would not display somebody very much but if you knew the charger well you could pick a very long line and it it might take like 25 seconds of player sprinting to for the group to get back to that person it was it would so, uh, like, understanding the levels on a different level, um, it, was, it, it could, have, you know, be a really big deal, too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's all I've really got for that one. Um, just a lesson in griefing, <laughs> being on the zombie team. Um, it was good fun. And, yeah, again, um, playing against humans... Uh, in in Left 4 Dead, so playing against other people is a completely different experience, yeah, yeah. and it does not feel as good as playing against the computer. I mean, if you succeed, then all the power to you. I I rarely saw human players beat other uh, beat the human controlled zombie team. I can think of very few situations where it happened. Um, yeah, just a very different game. Um, but maybe that's why st- maybe that's why the one versus many also format doesn't isn't also great. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I think uh, maybe it's a hard that's balance com- thing. Oh. It's comparing apples to oranges, I think. Yeah. But uh, okay. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about Left for Dead, or should we move away from it? I'm trying to think. I think I think that's probably all I have to say about it. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. Yeah. Okay, well, very cool, very cool. Okay, so then we're going to move into our next section of the podcast. It's everybody's favorite section. It is, what can you teach us? And the answer is patience. We will patiently await the day when somebody sends in an email yeah. because it has been It's been a while. A I, yeah, I haven't, I should harass people more. Well, I mean, harassing, that. I'm not going to peer pressure anybody to send in an email, but I'm, we'd appreciate it. I'm going to start calling you, people you out on the podcast. <laughs> You don't have to, but uh, yeah, uh, we we do actually enjoy hearing. Yeah. Um, one of the criticisms that I got, and I don't think that this is negative, is the suggestion that the the way that we release our episodes, um, could deter yeah, that's writers. But I would also suggest that maybe our uh, our listenership is not large enough to um to expect a new email every single episode. Yeah, that's also um, true. Because uh, there's there's something to be said about the silent majority versus the vocal minority, um, and uh, yeah, I I if people just keep listening, I'm I'm also happy with that. Yeah, I sure. love to engage sure. to, with the audience, but uh, I'm also very very happy just knowing that people yeah. are enjoying our show. Yep. So uh, yeah, we'll just uh, we've learned patience. Well, I have. Stu sounds like he's run out. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to go harass someone. Yep. Um, so then maybe let's go into the what we've been playing. So, Stu, do you want to talk about games that you've been playing lately? Um, I 
did play a little bit of Deep Rock. Um, I don't know if I talked about this last time. The the like new patch came out. There's a bit more content. It's been good. No, you didn't. But uh, um, yeah, they, I don't know if you have to go too deep in, into that. just more content for Deep Rock Galactic. Yeah. Um, check <laughs> okay, it out. Yeah. It's good fun. Play with your friends. It's a unique uh, co-op experience because the way teamwork works is better than anything else. There you um, go. I actually played another game of Gremlins Inc. That's a neat little, uh, it's on Steam. It's a board game thing. It's kind of fun. Kind of a little bit too random for my real tastes, but it's still fun to just bounce into with friends and get a game out. <laughs> on a scale of flipping a coin to Blood Bowl... <laughs> <laughs> what the f- how random what the hell is, is Blood it? Bowl? How does it Blood get? Blood Bowl is the worst like kind of random. Like a million flipping a million coins? Is that it? Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Um, no, a million six-sided coins. They, um, if you're, it's kind of one of those things where if you're playing optimally, the game almost plays itself. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's still neat. Um, I did another thing. I, I, another there's thing another thing I know that you I, did yeah, that you haven't no, there, mentioned there was it another, oh, 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 I hosted a D&D game um, because nice. somebody asked me to, and yeah. I agreed to do it. And then I found out that there were going to be nine players and half of them were new. That sounds horrible. Who talked wow. you to that? So it, because it was uh, for a friend's birthday event they were going to do like surprise all these people are going to play D&D. Um I didn't I didn't really know that that was the case. But you know what? I'm happy to report everyone had a good time. Everybody okay, liked good. it. It was great. It's good. <laughs> Everything went well. Uh it's really hard to plan for that kind of thing. But uh it was fun. We had we had a good time. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Um the the one shots that I I did um like I I remember I did a, a vampire one shot and I tried to do that uh, exalted one shot with you and Charlie that never took off. But yeah. the vampire one shots that I did were always um, I liked them a lot. Um, and but I could not imagine trying to cater to nine players, nine players at once. Yeah, and all different. So like it breaking was, them up yeah. maybe, but it was um, it was interesting. I did like got a a little bit of everything in there. I think so. There was some of something for everyone. Um. Yeah, it it went over. It was well received. So, good. Cool. What edition? Uh, fifth. Okay. Um, cool. So um, not my strongest, but I mean I know it well enough, especially for people that are new. You like I'm not gonna waste time fiddling over rules. I'm gonna dynamically rule things as we go, anyways. Right. So. Yeah, fifth feels a lot more like a board game anyway doesn't it was it fifth or was it fourth that it was like uh it, it was very much more about being able to visualize it and actually using like grid maps and stuff i th- think they both kind of were fourth is the terrible really like weird they tried to do everything version yeah fifth fifth is not quite as much but it okay it, like, i think they, they played fourth like fourth uh it felt it felt like i was playing an mmo yeah that that would have been fourth they they yeah. like they actually had stuff like threat management in fourth right yeah i think they weird. did weird not 100% sure um, don't quote me on that i only think i played half a campaign okay fifth is a little bit more streamlined than third um it's probably like if someone was going to like put a gun to my head and force me to to run or play in a D&D campaign <laughs> 
I think fifth <laughs> is the addition I would pick. I yeah, I so. don't I I'm I've got a special place for three point five or I would just run a Pathfinder game. Second um, is still like my my kind of sweet second level. still have Thacko? Yeah. Thacko oh, didn't wow. bother me. Like it's just a okay. weird way of representing like a bad way of representing something, but I don't know. It made, still made sense to me. I didn't mind that. Okay. Well, I mean it yeah, like I, I was brought up on uh on second, so like I I I get it. Yeah. Um but trying to introduce it to a new player it's maybe not stupid. so stupid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um right, so we just nerded out big. Anybody yeah. who knows D&D, I hope you enjoyed it. Anybody who doesn't, sorry, we're not going to explain all that right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, um and then I've been playing Stellaris. Yes, yeah, you have. Yeah. I finally finally did a bunch of Stellaris. You uh, followed in my metallic footsteps. Yeah, I, I decided I, after we we talked about that, I thought, you know what, playing a robot is probably a very different experience, um, and it is. Boy, is it! So, yeah. pacifist, I was not. <laughs> uh, neither pacifist nor a spiritualist, and man, did I ever kick ass and take a lot of names. Um, did you really log those names, or did you oh, just burn them? No, I'm no, they're gone. They're absolutely yeah. gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess I kind of underestimated the galactic horror that people would collectively feel as you traipse across different species and just kind of melt them into the planet and replace them with cool things like robots. I really thought my explaining of the way that the universe turned on me when I first would have been did sufficient. That, yeah no like the how they all <laughs> recoiled in horror yeah um but no you had to learn it for yourself yeah. i guess yeah no that's the kind of thing that i i, I don't learn uh third party um because i i so did you enjoy being that <laughs> was it satisfying in any way uh i think the game was a little bit too easy because it was um i never had to experience the wrath of that horror um i only had a couple of wars that were like a little bit dicey and I had to rely on um, having better infrastructure to resupply fleets and get them back up and out faster than other people. That only happened right. a couple times. For the most part, I was just kind of curb stomping everyone. So it, I don't know. That simplified the, the uh, streamlining, the, the galactic streamlining process. Right. How how are you enjoying the new um, resource system, even though as a robot you completely se- uh, step-sided trade? Um, I, I, trade I, values, I, I should yeah, clarify. I, I find, I still find colony management, especially as someone who is innately expansionistic, I find the colony management very cumbersome. Um, yep, in order, that's fair. In order to, m- and like, the effort it would take to make uh, specialized colonies that are designed to do their jobs, I would be happier turning down the difficulty one notch and just not optimizing my colonies because yep. it's it's that much not fun to me. Uh, the option to, like, you no longer have the option to just shunt a bunch of your colonies off to into sectors. Um, which was the easy way of dealing with expansion, yeah. like having other other people deal with it. You could assign governors and stuff. Um, you can still kind of do that in this game, but it's not intuitive, it's not intelligent, and it's really limiting the bigger you get. Um, and, yeah, and I've heard nothing but bad things about, like, they just 
they make terrible choices. Yeah, so reason. it's hard to trust yeah. um, the AI, and that's too bad. Like that's uh, that was one of the things that was really going for Stellaris, yeah. and it it helped. Like early on, it, it was a big sell that they had that sector it, it system. It helped stave off the bloat yeah. of expansion. Um, I'm not sure what design decision um, reset that, but I I don't know. I, I and I've also never played small. I hear that, and if you look at the negative modifiers compared to, um, compared to positive modifiers, uh, the the way that your empire grows and the way that you can offset that, I think there is the option to just have a tiny empire that is incredibly Very productive. Efficient. Yeah. Um, you, I just, I've never played like that. So that's one of my next challenges is I'm going to try and be organic and I'm going to try and, um, Try and uh, do a smaller playthrough. Yeah. 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 And now I know how to subjugate, which is important. Now I know how to um, bend people to my will or manipulate them in such a way that they follow me. Yeah. Uh, that's something that I hadn't done before because I've also been playing Stellaris. Uh, did you ever Did you ever subjugate? Did you ever declare war with the intent to subjugate? Or did you always just eradicate? No, it was always to claim... Okay, do you know how to subjugate? Uh, I think so. But okay, that's so a, in yeah, because you can as long as you have the the reasoning, like you demand tribute from them, and then if they say no, you can say, "Well, we'll beat you until you do that," or something to that effect. Yep. Yes. Yeah. But what that does, what that does is, if you don't, well, actually, no. Even if you do completely de- uh, annihilate that race, and by annihilate, I mean like occupy and conquer their their um planets what it does is it flips that uh, that uh faction and it becomes a faction that is aligned with you with um sort of uh policies and politics that are aligned to you so uh if you're a robot then they're usually um military materialists or some kind of version of materialists like they're not spiritualists um and then there's still a faction that builds ships and does stuff but they work for you and that is another way of offsetting that the bloat. the hideous yeah. negative modifiers of expansion yeah um yeah and that's what i learned how to do in my playthrough yeah, of stellaris yeah. because i'm not killing the entire galaxy Oh, it's just so much, so much quicker. It's, it's so, it's. Have you hit an in-game crisis that wasn't yourself? Uh, yeah, I did, and the AI is fucking terrible at dealing with that shit. As oh. in the rest of the universe, or yourself? Yeah, the rest of the universe. Oh yeah, the, the, they're never prepared, and they never really they do never the right re- thing. At least yeah. not in lower difficulties. Not that I've, not that I've seen at all, like, because it was just in for me, it was one of the fallen empires snapped to. Yep, I warned you about that, by the way. And started, started gallivanting about the universe, and still nobody wants to side with me against them. Uh, well, and they won't, mm, they won't side with each other against them. Like it, it's, mm, they're still just infighting and declaring wars against each other. Um, like it's, it's just, yeah. It kind of took me out of it a little bit because it was that nonsensical. The the AI's yeah. behavior. 
that's fair. Like, whereas if there was a human on the other end of that or any kind of conscious being, they, and <laughs> it's tough, yeah. right? Because also think about, they're trying to build the story as well as trying to, yeah. to build the game yeah. and do it all through mechanics. Um, and just think about the collective hate and fear that you had produced in your campaign of destruction. But it was only from my neighbors and their neighbors and their friends. But <laughs> word gets out, Stu. Yeah. Like and a like, thousand voices. I had the Algate and I was <laughs> kind crying. of all around. Um, but even stuff like seeing that... Um, like it took my entire fleet to kind of punch a hole through one side of this mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. dude, and then uh, I I cut down maybe I don't know maybe a half of the the fleet, and then the other half came and it was a bad day for me. Um, but even like there's just I don't know you'd expect some kind of coordination with other people that just wasn't there. Um, yeah, that's too bad. Whereas what's interesting is if you're playing organics and you can form decent federations, I actually formed a federation as, as a robot and, um, it, it, I learned a few things, but, um, like the, the federations you can form, you can actually form fleets that are independent of your regular fleets yeah. and they're so much larger and cooler huh. than your own fleets. So that's probably, that's um, probably like designed to help with that kind of thing specifically yeah. yeah that's what happens when you all work together then you basically just produce an- another super fleet that f- functions or uh, n- uh, you can produce however many fleets yeah, you yeah. want but up to a certain limit um and they have no upkeep basically the the federation as a whole just agrees yeah we're not these we're not don't have an expense yeah. yeah um and uh th- that's really really helpful hmm. Uh, that's something I didn't even know existed until I actually got into a federation. Um, and, uh, now that I know that it's a thing, like federations make so much more sense. now. Like there's a reason for it. Um, other than just, Hey, we're friends. Like it's the, the, the access to those incredible fleets. Um, the only problem is the president of that federation controls them. And if you're not the president, it probably sucks. <laughs> right? You just have to hope you're in a federation that does the stuff that you agree with. I mean, you always have the option to leave the federation. Yeah. Um, but so. I mean, it's still like a section of a force that won't be turned against you and would hopefully be used to defend you should that need arise. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting stuff going on yeah. there. I think there's still some screws that need to be tightened. Yeah. Um, but also we've been playing on some of the lowest difficulties. Yeah. Uh, I would yeah. be interested to see how the computer reacts to an end game crisis at a higher difficulty. I think that would be number one, more prepared and uh, number two, maybe a little more coordinated, but I don't know. Mm. Maybe not. My, yeah. yeah, my, my favorite highlight was, um, uh, I built a Dyson sphere to harvest energy from a sun, from, Only from a one. star. Uh, and when a race came to complain and said, you're blocking out one of our favorite constellations, uh, I got to tell them to <laughs> fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> and boy, Excuse were me. they pleased. The fir- <laughs> Stu, the first time that that happened to me, I sent one of my primary cores to their home world and formally apologized. <laughs> These guys were dicks. 
Oh, Stu, you such a hater, such a hater. No, um, I wanted to get along with everybody. Just nobody liked these soulless genocidal machines. I don't understand their problem. Uh, you know what? I actually found the the game that I'm in right now. Like I've almost won it, but uh, the game that I'm in right now, um, the, again, too easy, uh, yeah. and not just because I'm playing robots, but because the difficulty is too low. Um, the, it seems like the computer just decided when they made races, why don't we make more than half of the populations oh, in space spiritualists? Yeah, right? And I'm like, mm, no. Like, not a single other robot race existed. Yeah. The materialists were okay, but a lot of them ended up getting along really well with some of the spiritualists, which was weird. Um, and it was really hard for me to get into anything that even resembled the Federation for a really long time. Yeah. Um, I had to really grease, grease. I had to really, uh, uh, I had to uh, sweet talk a couple of races for it to happen. Yeah. And then I had to find one that was basically a social pariah and then give <laughs> him so much stuff that it would be insane not to be my friend. Yeah. Um, for it to work and then after that nobody wanted to to be my friend anymore uh because i was friends with this social pariah so uh, that game we could talk forever it, we should just rename this the stellaris yeah. podcast it's kind of like we did two yeah. games yeah um but uh yeah i also played stellaris um did you play anything else i think that was it okay um, I played Super Smash Brothers for the Switch. Mm-hmm. It's Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the the there's a mode, another mode that I hadn't played before. It was the uh, the single player mode. It is not as good as Subspace Emissary for uh, the Wii, but it's okay. It's got some fun little uh, things in it. It's all about releasing the spirits of basically like games past. Um, and they they use the incredibly huge roster of characters in the game to emulate other characters. So a good example is I I beat Rayman the other day, but Rayman, uh, the closest analog they had to a Rayman was um, a black colored Sonic that reacted in a certain way. Um, or I played. I'm just trying to think of other fights that I had. Uh, I mean, like other other people are gonna do this a lot better justice. Um, I'm just trying to think other stuff that I played, um, like other ca- characters from say like Pikmin. It, it's really just one of the Pikmin guys, but uh, just has like a different abilities. Yeah, um, yeah, it, uh, it's it's all right. Um, Started playing Into the Breach again, just getting my turn-based oh, strat on, yeah. and still loving it. Uh, I don't have all of the different mechs unlocked, but uh, I'm just going to keep working at it. Right now I'm working down um, one of the trees where the science ship is a gravity ship, so you shoot like a sphere of gravity that can pull something towards you. Having a lot of fun with that and water. Um, that's a great way to kill bad guys. Um there uh, yeah and then it's got like there's a there's a missile mech that shoots missiles that if it hits it's explosions outward so you can shoot at a target and if you aim directly at the target it won't injure the target but everything around it gets hurt and then the primary assault mech is a judo mech so it flips things over itself <laughs> it like suplexes things nice. um and that's it's just fun i've just been having fun with that yeah. team uh, it took a little while to get used to their mechanics but uh 
they're who I'm working on right now. I'm trying to get medals for them, and I want to try and see what else is out there. I need to go back to the fire team. I, I didn't use them very efficiently, and I haven't gotten any medals for them, but I just kind of wanted to take a rest. Uh, <laughs> I caused a lot of damage to myself with them. So, um, yeah, and I'm back to playing Monster Hunter World. I restarted that. Uh, right, I'm yeah. really, really enjoying playing through that again, and I think it's because I know how to fight the monsters now. Like I, I know most of their tells. I know what they're doing, yeah. and I'm like I'm not such an idiot. I mean, I, I enjoyed playing it the first time, but everything was like super super intimidating, and I still know and respect like the the dangerous creatures that I'm fighting in this game, but I I'm just a step up. Now. It feels it feels so much easier. Like the skill fade is not real in this game. Like you the everything that I learned stays, and it feels good. Um, and I can't remember the last time I played a game where I could say that, uh, aside from a turn-based strat where like you, you just hold on to that stuff. Um, yeah. Monster Hunter world, like you, you step away from that game and come back to it. And aside from getting used to the controls, everything else just slips right back into place. It's like, it's like riding a bike. This is why people who love this series, once they enjoy it, they never leave it because once you know how to play it, it is a great game to play. Um, I'm actually excited to see there's, there's going to be an expansion for monster hunter world, but I'm like, I'm thinking long-term like, like further down the road. I'm really excited to see what the next like big, big title for this franchise is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay if they just keep building out monster hunter world. Cause I'm really enjoying that game, but like I'm thinking next gen consoles, uh, what that type of game is going to look like. Um, I'm pretty optimistic. Like it's a strong, it's a strong, strong franchise, and the team that made this game, it does have some quirks because it's a like it's a Japanese designed like it's a Monster Hunter game, was never meant to be easy. But um, yeah, I I just it's it's a strong franchise with a, a good pedigree, and this one is making Capcom shit tons of money. So they're gonna <laughs> like they're good. gonna I'm glad it did well. They're gonna yeah. keep supporting the name. Yeah, so. And I think that's it. That's all I got. So I guess maybe we'll uh, yeah. we'll close this baby down. Sounds about right. Okay. So um, thank you for taking the time to listen, audience. Uh, I I think I speak for both of us when I say that we hope you enjoyed yourselves. Uh, Stu, do you have anything to plug this month? Oh, oh I do. Um, it was just something that didn't really fit in. Um, anywhere else. Son of a bitch, where did that go? <laughs> it's not fitting in now if you don't find oh, it. Oh, no! Um, it was the... Um, oh, there it is. Too many tabs, man. I'm addicted to, to tabs. Um, True Sight. If you're interested in... It was just an interesting take. It was the Valve... Um, uh, I think Valve just paid somebody to make a quick little quick little a little documentary around the international the uh the 2018 dota 2 finals okay uh so it's uh, like decent production values and like videos of the players and like some of the gameplay but just kind of like the personalities of the teams a little bit right it's 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 about an hour long it was kind of interesting to see um 
Yeah, I just I I put it on um, as something to listen to, and I actually wound up sitting down and watching a pretty big chunk of it. Um, it was just interesting. I don't know if cool. you're into esports or that kind of thing. Um, it's a relative Dota 2 is kind of a big game in the esport <laughs> yeah. in terms of esports. Um, one of those. It's one of them. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was called True Sight. It's just on YouTube. Okay. Um, so you can go and find it. Take a look at it. It was neat. Yeah. That, that's it. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to thank uh, Dimitri, as always, for our music, uh, and Joe, as always, for our art. Um, and I want to additionally thank uh, Geek Therapy and their Facebook community for always, always um, keeping folks in that area up to date on some of the like really cooler applications for gaming, um, or or even just like game peripherals and and the way or or the way that stuff's being represented in the press. Um, yeah. or like just some of the big arguments it's it's nice to get a more empirical <laughs> opinion instead of just the Sensational. er, sensationalized uh, bullshit so yeah uh, always appreciate that community um, happy to be a part of it and get exposed to this stuff uh, don't always understand all of it and I apologize for that but uh, I try to explain uh, what I can and what I can't I usually admit that I can't do it um so, listener, if you want to know more about Learn From Gaming Podcast, we've got all kinds of social media going on. So we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Uh, I think that's really it. <laughs> but those are the two places we're on. Um, we're also uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Sound, which means we're out there on the Internet. Anywhere you want to find us, you can find us on most of the, uh, the regular podcast options. We're on Podbean, which is where we're hosting primarily right now. So if uh, the, the earliest you ever want to see one of these podcasts pop up, it pops up on Podbean. Um, so, yeah, um, that's really all I've got to say. Um, I want to say thank you again for joining us, and yeah. thank you, Stu, for, for being here. Always and, a pleasure. Um, you go ahead. Always a what? Always a pleasure. Oh, did you actually say pleasure because you, <laughs> you fizzled out? <laughs> I, I didn't hear that last part. It didn't come through. Oh. Um, well, it's always a pleasure to to talk with you, Stu, even, even when the internet is cutting out. Right. Yep. No, that's good. Yeah. That's um, good. And for everybody else who won't even notice those audio problems because we're just going to sync up our audio feeds, um, I hope you enjoy your evening and yeah. tune back in again Have soon. a wonderful until next time. <laughs> <laughs>